This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damn it, with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement. To give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 108th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Preparing to traverse alternate dimensions. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Christian. So there's been something that's been bothering me. Just this week, there's was an article out there. I guess Sebastian Stan, like he threw some shade at you know the choice that Steve made at the end of Endgame, mm-hmm. going back in time, you know, hooking up with Peggy and like living, you know, happily ever after life. I can understand, you know, where that seems very uncaptain America like. Um, it was, and when I say he threw some shade, I guess someone posted something you know, with him and uh, Steve from the first movie, you know, first Avenger, you know, with the line of, you know, till the very end, or I'm paraphrasing, I can't think of the line, you know. Till the end of the line. To the end of the line. Okay, thank you. So, and he, all he did was he added like a embarrassed emoji because obviously it wasn't to the end of the line. Do you feel like Steve's choice was a betrayal of that character? I feel like he deserved it. <laughs> he did like save the world a, yeah, couple, a times couple times over. Um, see, I don't know. I know that he's coming back, right? I mean, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> he's Captain America. I also have this feeling that he's probably out there still doing his thing, you know, in this like mm. alternate timeline. But at the same time, I feel a little hypocritical because I I definitely bash Nolan for the choice that Batman made in Dark Knight Rises with, you know, Batman, fucking Batman retiring because we both know Batman doesn't retire. You know, as long as there's crime on the streets, (laughs) I don't care if it's a fucking jaywalker. You know, Batman's going to hunt that fucking jaywalker down and beat his ass. I I feel like that was more of just that film in general just didn't work. Yeah. And the execution of I, the ending. See, I didn't... I just... That ending is what kills me. And the fact that he didn't even bother telling Alfred he was still alive. Like, okay. 
I mean, that poor old man crying his fucking grave. Like, But anyway, so I kind of feel like a hypocrite. But at the same time, I think part of me just know, like being a fan of, you know, I don't know, the character and everything mm. knows that he's probably he's coming back once just being a comic book fan. And two, like most likely his like crime fighting days is continuing on in this alternate you know dimension. So but I guess. It is kind of a bit like it's like to the other characters. Do you feel like the other characters would feel like what the fuck, Cap? And the no, fuck, I, he kind of didn't even bother telling them, right? I mean, I guess he did. Like it's kind of alluded that he might have told Bucky. Uh, Bucky, yeah, but I don't know. I don't feel like it was too much of a betrayal of the character. I feel like both of those characters, even in that scene, look like yeah, he deserved to go back and I mean, have the time with the girl for there's once. There's no doubt that he deserves it but at the same time i guess like the moral fiber of captain america just the even thought that he might be trying to retire just seems like it goes against who he is like he's never gonna stop you know fighting for what's just i feel like we're gonna find out that he's been fighting all along and you know Mm -hmm. him and peggy have been having crazy fucking adventures we'll probably get like some kind of tv series i can't imagine peggy stopping no, exactly. I'm sure she does because we find out we know from her solo show that she went on to like start Shield and you know, so mm. I'm sure Cap had a part in that. So I mean, it is an alternate timeline too. So I don't know, man. It just it <laughs> it bothered me a little because I never even thought about it. Like we're all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was like, yeah, that does feel a little weird for Steve to do that. It was such a perfect moment and a perfect way to end, you know, that phase and everything. Um, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, I guess he has a point in a way. It was weird to see Sebastian even, like, you know, throw a little shade, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it just got me thinking. I don't know. It, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I love the movie so much that it didn't even, like, I don't know. Like, when I left fucking, like, Dark Knight Rises, I was pissed. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought that was a bit cheesy. It wasn't just the cheese. I was like, Batman doesn't fucking retire. <laughs> well, at this to point, Paris. At this point, we knew like there were so many articles beforehand. Like Nolan didn't even want to do the movie. Not only that, but he wanted this to be the end. Well, I knew he wanted to be that. I thought he wanted to do the movie. I think he just didn't want it to be like he wanted it to be the end of the, his trilogy. Yeah. You know, he saw it as a trilogy. So which he was just was, putting an end to it. You don't need to put a fucking bow on it like that, though. You don't have to yes. retire the guy. <laughs> I mean, leave some meat on the bone. And the whole thing he did with Robin, like the weird roundabout, whatever. Fuck that movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on. We've got some news this yes. week, not tons. It's been a little slow. Um, we'll see. Maybe next week we'll have some Super Bowl ads to talk about. We haven't heard any really big rumors at all, but I'm sure we're going to get a Mm -hmm. few new trailers, you know, possibly for, like, WandaVision. Yeah, that's been one of the big ones. Yeah, which I was surprised by. I thought we'd get, like, a, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier one, just because that's coming out beforehand, Mm -hmm. so. But uh, let's move on to the news. Yes. Before we get into the news, if you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you enjoy most. We're on everything. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Yes, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors and nerd them. We are not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. 
Alright, so starting off the news, we got Falcon and Winter Soldier gets new premiere date. Speaking of Falcon and Winter Soldier, like we were just talking. That's right. Uh, it looks like instead of debuting in the fall on Disney+, Plus, it's going to actually debut a little earlier, uh, August 2020. Yeah, just at the end of the summer. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. And hey, earlier the better, right? Um, so, on to more MCU news. Uh, we have tons of, like, Doctor Strange casting rumors coming out. Now, they recently lost their director, but that's not holding them back. They're in total pre-production news. So all these rumors are coming from casting calls that a site called the Illuminati, who perhaps has the best fucking name (laughs) in the business right now, they somehow got their hands on this casting call list. Um, So, I mean, let's break it down. It looks like we have a casting call for perhaps a character that could be Brother Voodoo, which is pretty fucking badass. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the character. Um, He's recently been getting a lot more, like, spotlight, like, the last, like, ten years or so. Um, Bendez, like, you know, featured him in some of the Avengers books and everything like that. It's a fun character. Um, it's going to be hard to kind of just like throw him in there because there's so much backstory with him, but it, we'll see what happens. I mean, anything for an introduction point though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's another mystical character. He ends up taking over as Sorcerer Supreme at one point. So, I mean, I guess it all ties mm-hmm. together. Um, and then we also have a casting call for a character that could be America Chavez, um, makes sense with the whole multiverse you know Mm. uh angle that they're going for since that's one of her powers that she literally punches holes into other dimensions um pretty fucking awesome character i love love to see her it seems like they're slowly building up Mm. their young avenger stable uh and then we also had a casting call for a character that is probably going to be Clea, uh, Doctor Strange's on-again, off-again romantic interest in the comic book. Um, She's also a high-powered sorcerer. I believe she's also related to Dormammu. Um, So, I don't know, man. I guess Doctor Strange is going to be getting some love. Mm -hmm. There's also been, like, tons of rumors being thrown around that um, Mordo will be showing up again. And I think that's an interesting... You know, you have someone with dark powers, um, like Clea, and then you have him coming in. Definitely kind of a big mix of characters there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just hope they're not biting off more than they can chew. I mean, it makes sense storyline-wise mm-hmm. where we're left off with that character at the end of the first one. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, it feels like, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, it, they're they're really putting a lot into this movie right now. And it feels like they're going to be introducing a lot of different like aspects of the Marvel Universe through this movie. Yeah, it definitely S- seems like a jumpstart point for them. Yeah, so I... I don't know. I just don't want to have too many storylines going on at once. You know, it gets a little murky. If anything, I feel like a lot of these characters that we're hearing about will maybe show up kind of the same way that, like, um, I think it was, was it Ragnarok? Yeah, Ragnarok, where Doctor Strange shows up for, Mm -hmm. like, a small portion. Briefly, yeah. So maybe, maybe, like, just, like, little cameos Mm -hmm. here and there. I mean, that's what they promised originally. Like, last, a couple years ago, they were like, you know, the seal's broken. We're going to just start introducing people having a bunch of tag teams and stuff like that going on forward so oh like crossovers yeah, and stuff crossovers, like that yeah. yeah yeah i love that you're going to wrestling <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i know you we'll see like i said that's fine everything like that but as long as it serves the story mm. and it's not just like you know cannon fodder you know don't waste these characters no. i just hope it ends up making sense story-wise yes 
Just give me the Young Avengers. That's all I want. <laughs> I think you're gonna get it sooner I, I than later. Do. They keep you know posting little rumors here and there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we know Kate's showing up in Hawkeye, so it feels like they're going down that road. All right. So next up, we have some horror news. Um, it seems like Universal and Bloomhouse is it Bloomhouse or Blumhouse? I say Bloom most of the time, but okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is it Jason Bloom or Jason Blum? I heard blooming. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, they are developing a new version of the thing uh, that will adapt the long-lost original novel. So apparently the writer John W. Campbell Jr., uh, who you know wrote the now classic Who Goes There, um, which was a short story that was featured in a sci-fi magazine uh, back in 1938, uh, it was actually, he adapted it from a longer novel that he wrote called Frozen Hell. Uh, so it looks like someone actually unearthed the whole novel. Uh, so now Bloomhouse and Universal are going to go ahead and do a movie based off that. So if you really like think about it, that movie kind of like starts in the middle. I mean, it feels like that. Like you're kind of like in the middle of like everything that's going on. Um, we know that there's another camp that has dealt with, you know, this alien and then, you know, it shows up to this, uh, to, you know, uh, Kurt Russell's camp. Yeah. And then like, we have no idea who these characters are. We're just like kind of jumping in the middle of things. So it definitely feels like there's probably more story there. Um, you know, this article makes it sound like there's a huge, like dramatic, you know, backstory that's going on. Um, I'm hoping that's not like a cash grab mm-hmm. um so i i just I, you know th- this totally reeks of that um so hopefully there's you know enough story there to make you know to put something new and fresh on the screen that we haven't seen yeah. before i mean what just the way it sounds it makes me feel like oh are we building like a thing franchise like is that what they're <laughs> like oh to do god here? i hope not <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't want to know anything about the alien or anything like that. I'd rather have that be a mystery. I hope that's not part mm-hmm. of the backstory. I don't really need the backstory of Kurt Russell's character. You know, I, I just, I don't know. Unless there's something really interesting there. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, it's one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have them not fuck with the classic unless they, there's a new angle to it or something fresh, you know, to bring to the story. Um, the remake just left a bad taste in my mouth, so... I mean, it seems like they have a lot of material to work with. That's what they're making it sound like. Of course they are. But, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know, I'm not too interested in this at the moment. I'd have to, I don't know, see a plot synopsis or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, they're saying that it's going to be kind of a merger between, you know, the two stories, um... With the thing from another world, John Carpenter's thing, and now this story, Frozen from Hell, or Frozen in Hell. Frozen from Hell is actually my life right now with my daughter and Frozen <laughs> 2. Because <laughs> all I do is listen to the fucking soundtrack Still. over and over. That's the life of a five-year-old. If I would let her, she'd just play the same song over and over again. So um, she was obsessed at one point with the Imperial March, which I could deal with. I could deal with that. But now it's just fucking Frozen 2 nonstop. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, 
we'll see. We'll see. So, uh, and this is in the very early stages. This was literally one of the producers announcing, you know, that there was a deal done. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm sure it'll be another couple years before we actually see a finished product. So, (laughs) all right. So lastly, our strangest story of the week, uh, the Safdie brothers, um, from uncut gems fame, um, tons of Oscar buzz this year. Mm -hmm. I don't think they actually, right. They didn't pick up any nominations because they were actually thinking that Adam Sandler was going to get nominated, but fuck the Oscars. Um, (laughs) I didn't even see the movie, but whatever. Uh, the Safdie brothers though, are considering directing a dark Pee Wee Herman movie starring Paul Rubens. Huh. So <laughs> apparently this is something that Paul Rubens has been working on since like the late 90s, like a dream project of his. He wasn't really happy with uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Um, he didn't like the fact that the character obviously had aged. So... Um, he just felt like it was weird and creepy to be playing the character, you know, older. It's Pee-wee. I, right? I mean, I was like, <laughs> the character was always kind of weird and creepy uh, anyway. But, you know, he had a problem with that. Um, he did pitch this, but, you know, everyone from Netflix to uh, Judd Apatow um, kind of shot it down, saying it that just doesn't feel like a Pee-wee Herman <laughs> movie. But his whole idea is, like, Pee-wee dealing with fame and like going on this like downward spiral and just you know like going on like fucking i guess like drug like benders and like you know doing the full hollywood you know stereotype you know like the you know the price of fame story so um i don't know i i kind of want to see it um i think it would be fun damon how do you market this I think you'd market it like you'd market like the Joker or something like that. I feel like Pee Wee's audience would totally dig this. So I mean, as long as 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 it looks good and it feels like you know Paul Rubin, you know, playing Pee Wee. Mm. But I mean, Pee Wee's always been kind of like I don't know. There's been this like shade of like I don't know darkness with the character. For me, at least, he's kind of weird and creepy. (laughs) And maybe that's just me reading between the lines. I know the stage show that, you know, Paul Rubin back in the day would do with the character had a lot of like, you know, kind of raunchy, you know, humor and everything like that. And it's kind of hinted at throughout like, you know, the children's show. Um, But I don't know. I feel like you could totally go this route and people would be accepting of it. I mean, it would be fun, man. Whatever. I mean, I, I'd go see it, so... <laughs> yeah, I feel like Tim Burton could do this movie. Absolutely. Too. Like, go back to the original fucking director. Why not, right? Um, so, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's supposed to, like... I mean, this is a quote from him. Like, it, he develops a severe pill and alcohol addiction that turns him into a monster. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Am I selling you on this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The word of the day is junkie. (laughs) He basically is, he compares it to Valley of the Dolls, which I don't know if you've seen that. I have not. A fucked up movie. (laughs) So I I don't know, man. I'm very interested in this and I hope it happens. So we'll see. All right. Well, stepping into Christian's Playhouse, we have a Christian's Corner. So, reportedly, EA is making a remake of the um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. 
which is very interesting. If because uh, if they make it now, it would technically be canon. That's what the reports are saying. Now, it, there's a lot of things going out there, like back and forth. It's either going to be a, it could just be a straight remake of the original game, which then, of course, I feel like would be a little, because it's a it's a role playing game. It's mm-hmm. a lot of like choose your own adventure type stuff going on. Um, you know, maybe that'll be a little less, more loose. Well, because you know we've been hearing mm-hmm. for a couple of years now that they like they want to actually produce either like an old Republic show like TV series or even doing like an old Republic movie. Exactly. But if you're saying this game is going to come out and actually be canon, is that going to, is that going to spoil the chances of, you know, you know, a series or a movie happening? I feel like what it says to me is that they're not fully invested in going all the way back to the old Republic. Okay. Now we do know that they're making a high Republic, you know, Probably a couple films in that era. Yeah. But I don't know if they're going to go all the way back at this point. Especially if they're going to make a canonical video game based off of that. Is it? I mean, it, it sounds disappointing though. I feel like a lot of fans are going to be disappointed not being able to see that on the big screen. Or the mm-hmm. small screen, for that matter. I don't know. I, I definitely... Because while I am excited by the idea of um, you know them taking a very much classic Bioware game and making it you know in, in today's like technology... I am more interested in seeing what they could do with, with a film. You know, I, I would be curious to see what would happen. So it's so like I was saying, it's it's either going to be a remake or they're going to be like almost like a spiritual successor type of game. I'm going to ask you a question that you might not know the answer to. How many years does the old Republic actually span? Um, and that, like, at least the story of the original game. The original game, it's kind of uh, it's like the war. It's the war between. Um, the Old Republic and the Sith Empire. Okay. And you're kind of making choices during that. So it's not like it's not like years or anything like that. Not too many. Okay. So it could be something that won't necessarily like handcuff a movie or no. A... Like you could still build a, like there's it's such an expansive world at that point. Yeah. So there's so much shit going on during that time period. Okay. Like think of it like the way the reason I always get so excited about the Old Republic because it's it's almost kind of like World War One in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas the like the Galactic Civil War is like World War Two, and we we've experienced that so much, and so so much materials come through that, but there's so many interesting elements to um, the Old Republic, you know, yeah, especially with a massive Sith Empire and a massive Republic at the time. Okay, so I mean, so it, it sounds like there's still opportunity yes. to do a series or a show if they really wanted to, especially if like because what we've heard from what they want to do is they want to like get away from that trilogy format. You know, it feels like they're going to be more loose with the way that they're going to be making films. So mm-hmm. I could totally see, like, any type of film coming out in that era. Maybe, like, base it on, like, a battle, a particular, you know, exactly. year or something like that that takes place. Or just following one character mm-hmm. through their point of view. So I guess you're right. You know, I with Star Wars, I, I can't help but always think trilogy. <laughs> so, but I guess there's a way around that. And, you know, give the fans their cake and, you know, get to eat it too. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, are you excited? I mean, you love the original games. Yeah, so. um, you know what they've done with like Jedi Fallen Order and stuff like that. If if it continues on to be quality, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be happy with that. Um, if it's anything like the the MMO that they have out right now, uh, maybe not so much. You know, okay. but I am excited by the concept of more role playing games. And it seems like EA has a lot of Star Wars now slated. I mean, they've seen success. So now they're going to, of course, start popping out these things left and right. So another question. They say it's going to be a remake of the original game, mm-hmm. and then it'll 
make it canon, is there anything that they would have to change to make it canon? Or if it's a remake, then we already know. Well, see, that's why, like, that's why I have such a hard time with it because it's like, if it's a choose-your-own, you know, adventure-style game, how do you make those decisions canon? canon. I mean, you can so always they, the the ending. I mean, they could make the ending more predetermined, but it's more. It's just like. Like, you're playing a character that can do either good things or bad things throughout the game. You know, it's like... In the original game, was it a choose-your-own kind of story? Yeah, you made your own own. choices throughout the entire thing. Okay. Kind of like, um, I don't know, Fallout and stuff like that. Not not to that degree, gamers, I understand, but... It, like your choices were kind of laid out like that, but there's wiggle room there where you can like yeah. they can have a straight storyline that they mm-hmm. can follow for the films. Okay, that's you know I'm only giving a shit about the films. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's space for films, okay, but I feel like if they're willing to give so much freedom to EA, yeah, maybe they're not too interested at the time in doing an old Republic film. I just hope like you don't need to say everything's canon. That's mm-hmm. my thing. It feels like everything that like comes out, they hit, feel the need to label it canon, you know. And it's like it, it's okay if it's just a standalone story that you know is loosely or an alternate reality or whatever like that, because you know it's just gonna take you know, uh, you know, a director or a writer that has some kind of clout who's going to fuck with canon eventually exactly. and say, well, I want to pick and choose what I want to use. I don't like that storyline. I want to honor this storyline. You know, that's been kind of fun with, like, you know, the Disney Star Wars movies is, like, yeah, like, you know, now what's called the Legends, you know, uh, Star Wars, you know, storylines, which was originally canon. They're kind of picking, like, the best parts of it Mm -hmm. at the moment. So um, I hope it's just not a case of them kind of, like you know, shooting themselves in the foot. Exactly. You know, so. Don't pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, well, because then you, you upset fans when you say, oh, mm. this is canon, and then you get to the film version, and they're like, oh, well, I guess this isn't really canon. You know, because, you know, John Favreau didn't like that aspect of the character, so they, you know, decided to go ahead and, you know, recast it or, you know, go a different direction. Completely. Exactly. So Darth Revan deserves their own film and stuff i think that's a great character and a very interesting character to play around with uh goes both sides light and dark mm-hmm. and if you're gonna do like a solo film then that totally works with like a mm-hmm. one film strip like you don't need to do a full trilogy so all right all right well speaking of star wars we have a our first ever comic book spotlight our new segment for the show damn it get excited I'm excited. <laughs> Can't you tell? We're going to be doing at least one comic book an episode every week. Yeah. We kind of fell off track. <laughs> we were doing like four to like eight issues exactly. an episode. And then they just kept on being more and more like movie and TV show content. So, you know, we definitely fell off track. Um, but now we want to try really hard to at least, you know, spotlight a book a week you know, to keep it going. Because, I mean, God knows we love fucking comic books. Mm. That's what this podcast started off as, is, you know, a comic book podcast. And that's really the heart and soul of the, the show. Exactly. So, so, all right, let's get into it, Christian. Yes. What are we spotlighting this week? Star Wars numbers one and two. All right, Charles Soul is back at it into Star Wars. Uh, he's got his penciler, Jesus Says. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and um super Car- talented, whoever he is. Yes. But yeah, Jesus or Jesus he is. I think it's Jesus. Sias, he, he is he did the Avengers book for a mm. while. 
a um, bunch of other projects that I can't think of right now. <laughs> Great artists. Yes, fantastic artists. Love the work so far in the book. Super cinematic. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, uh, Charles Soule also did the Darth Vader series. Which I was a huge fan of. Yes, yes. So uh, let's get into it. So this actually takes place right after Empire Strikes Back um, and right before Return of the Jedi. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the first issue is like right after they capture or save um, Luke. Yeah, so it's almost like happening during mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. It's just shit that we did not see. Literally, the opening page is fucking Luke's hand falling <laughs> um, with his lightsaber. So, um, which was a stunning fucking way to open a book mm-hmm. in a series. So, I really, really dug this first issue. Um, I thought it was a great way to, like, introduce the series. I love that we're taking a deep dive into, like, Luke's psyche here. Mm. Um, we're seeing him, like, you know, have this, like, identity crisis. And he doesn't know who he is. He's dealing with this trauma of finding out that Darth Vader's his dad, getting his fucking hand cut off. And then he can't get in contact with Obi-Wan. You know, he's trying to reach out with the Force, you know, to, like, figure out what the fuck is going on. And he's getting nothing but silence. So he's confused. He's conflicted. Um, You know, it's something that we didn't really get to dive into Mm -hmm. with the movies. You know, when we get to Return of the Jedi, he's this fucking badass Jedi Knight. Um, But we're seeing the aftermath of everything that happened in Empire. So I love that. I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. I, I think with this time period, it almost gives Soul, like, a little less wiggle room as compared to Darth Vader. But at the same time, he's going to explore everyone's feelings and emotions and all those little details that we did not get in the films. And I think that's awesome so far. Yeah. I think it's well written. And I like that we're seeing, you know, with the first two issues, we're going to be really... I mean, it seems like it's setting up, like, a journey with Lando, Mm -hmm. too. Like, how he, you know, becomes, like, General Lando. Um, Where, like, he starts off not having the Rebels' trust... Um, you know, everyone's pretty fucking pissed at him because he betrayed fucking Mm -hmm. Han and they blame him for, you know, partially what happened. Um, And we're kind of seeing him try to like, you know, redeem himself, you know, like in his way though. Um, You know, the the second issue kind of leaves you to believe that, you know, he might've betrayed them again, spoilers. Um, But I feel like you're going to come around and find out that it's not what it seems that he's, you know, working a game here and you know he's he looks at all angles and mm-hmm. he has ways of manipulating himself you know we actually get you know lando in jabba's palace which i thought was really fucking cool and like him like negotiating you know with him so we're kind of seeing this like cunning side of lando and everything that we got to see with like the solo movie mm-hmm. um i i really thought that was cool you know because it's something that i didn't think you didn't know it took place you know before that before this comic so and once again this is all supposed to be canon <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but you know what I, we're seeing i'm really digging and then we also what do you think about some of the new characters that they introduced i think they're new characters yeah oh the um people like that are part of the rebel squadron that like uh well we know that it's poe dameron's like like yeah uh father, father and yeah. mother you know <laughs> the mom is like a pilot i don't know exactly what the dad's job mm. is but um I thought that was interesting. I'm not sold on them yet. They seem kind. Of, they feel a little generic at this moment. But do you feel like it's a little heavy handed them like trying to fit like yeah. more into <laughs> like the lineage of the rebels and everything? Mm. Um, 
I don't know. It could be cool, though. Um, I like the idea that the mom is the pilot, you know, that that's where Poe's probably getting all his fucking skills from. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. But um, I was really digging uh, Commander Zara, I believe. Uh, seems like a cool new villain. Mm-hmm. That It felt like it was like an introduction to her. I don't know if she existed before, like in Legends canon or whatever. But... It seems like, you know, it's going to be a character that we're probably following. You know, maybe she's the one that they're interacting the most with. I don't know maybe. if she took uh, like took over Tarkin's, you know, command. Like, it seemed like she was high-ranking, right? Mm-hmm. Well, know? her ship's even called, it's like, her... Tarkin's. Is that what it was? Like, yeah. her ship's called Tarkin? Mm-hmm. She's not on Tarkin's old ship, though. I'm not, I mean, they didn't allude to it, but okay. I mean, it is named after Tarkin. Maybe I just assume since it, you mm-hmm. know, the name, but yeah, I, it, you, the fact that we are like, they're introducing her in the first issue and everything like that. And she has this fucking badass moment where, you know, she's put together this whole like scheme to like trap the rebels and she almost does it until like the Millennium Falcon shows up and she goes ahead and says fuck it let's get the Millennium Falcon that's the whole war right there Mm -hmm. um but if it wasn't for that she would have taken out two like separate squadrons of them um and the fact that she actually like was like digging like really like it, it seemed like she got into the kill like Mm. a little too much (laughs) and she wanted to like turn off like the whole targeting system so she could press the button and do it manually i thought that was pretty fucking wicked man (laughs) i I like that a lot so i hope it's a character that we follow more it just felt like the way they introduced her like she was going to be a pretty big deal and everything and they even had her with like you know kind of a back and forth with vader and everything so i just fear with failure invader just you know yeah really work out. and it seems like there's a history there where Mm -hmm. you know she has had some failures but they must see seem some talent in her that Mm -hmm. they're keeping her around too because you're right usually he just fucking chokes a bitch right (laughs) (laughs) i really love these first two issues though it got me excited for the series um they bring up uh luke's lost lightsaber yes yes so huge spoiler um lando to kind of manipulate Luke into going back to Cloud City, you know, brings up, he finds Luke practicing with his blaster, trying to get used to his new hand and everything. Um, And he basically manipulates him into going back to Cloud City, like saying, hey, a Jedi really needs his lightsaber, right? Mm -hmm. And I know Cloud City. No one knows Cloud City like I do. Let me help you. You'll retrieve that. You know, I need to get back here, but, you know, hey, come with me. Um, and then Luke has a vision of some mysterious hooded, you know, character holding out his lightsaber, basically saying, you know, oh, follow your destiny. That is one of the main things Luke is questioning at this point after the revelation of his father. Is what is his destiny? Mm-hmm. You know, is he meant to be a Jedi, you know, or should he join his dad? Um, especially now that he feels like he's been lied to by Obi-Wan and Yoda. Mm-hmm. So, um... Now, who do you think this hooded character could possibly be? Do you feel like it's actually, like, Luke? Because he does have, like, a black glove on mm-hmm. and everything. So, I mean... I feel like the easy answer is Luke. I I feel like they wouldn't introduce another Jedi character during this time period, you know? While that would, like, be interesting to see if someone was, like, training him during this time and we just didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Well, but, he doesn't get his training from Yoda, no, though, right? Because yeah. he goes back 
in like, return. Yes, in return, mm-hmm. and you know, visits Yoda, and then Yoda dies. So he didn't get his train from Yoda. So it maybe possibly could be another character. I mean, it might feel like sacrilege a little, <laughs> but I mean, it would make more sense, I guess, to like how he became the Jedi that he is in Return, because mm-hmm. he's a fucking badass in Return. So you know, how did he get his fucking swag back? You know, because he definitely is, you know, walking in fucking hard and heavy into Jabba's palace. I guess I just need to see a list of the remaining Jedi during this time period. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You know, Because those I, hunts were brutal. <laughs> I, I really feel like it's probably Luke, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. So. I think we both agree. We, we definitely think this is pull list worthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Check this book out. All right. On to a movie that you saw. Yep. <laughs> I saw The Turning. And now, our feature presentation. You shouldn't be in here. What happened to your last nanny? Like I'd tell. You need to take charge here, Kate. I know what you're afraid of. Keeping the lights on won't keep you safe. Can you please stop? You're gonna leave me, aren't you? I'm not going anywhere. Promise, promise? Cross my heart and hope to die. Everyone dies, Miles. Did you see them? I don't want to play anymore. Hey! Why are you doing this? Stop now. We're not safe! Stop giving tails. dreams a young governess is hired to take care of a young child and her brother um, in this modern take on Henry James novel the turn of the screw so man this movie was super disappointing um I didn't have like high expectations for it, like coming into it, you know, but I thought it looked, you know, interesting. I thought there was potential there mm-hmm. from the trailer and everything. Um, I love a good ghost story. This is not that, um, you know, ghost stories are actually the kind of movies that actually like get to me the most, you know, that supernatural element. So I'm a sucker for them, you know, um, give me some good scenes, you know, with some well-timed scares, you know, give me atmosphere, you know, give me the perfect kind of mood. And I'm there for it. Um, but man, this movie fucking shit the bed right off the gate. I mean, it had like good atmosphere. Um, and it had like, I want to say the first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, you know, it feels like we're getting somewhere. And then it commits the sin of just being so incredibly dull that like i mean the movie is an hour and a half long which feels super brisk nowadays to me because i mean last year we saw a lot of fucking two hour plus movies but it was an hour and a half i swear to you it felt longer than fucking avengers endgame (laughs) like there was like one point like halfway through the movie that i like wanted to get up and like stretch my legs because i was like oh my god this thing is going on forever and i looked down at my like phone i was like oh my god we're like maybe a half hour in (laughs) (laughs) i mean the plot goes nowhere 
It feels like it's just one long first act. Um, it, it honestly, to me, it feels like they fired their editor like halfway through the film and, or they ran out of money or something because it's like one long first act. The second act, I mean, what you can consider the second act might last five minutes and then we're in the third act and that might be 10 minutes long and we're done. Like it, it really is that quickly in like, I mean, not to jump the gun, but like the ending goes nowhere and just leaves you like, what the fuck did, was that really the ending? Like <laughs> it makes no sense. And I'm all for like open interpretation and, you know, not having to connect the dots for the audience, like, you know, let them figure it out or take whatever they want from the film. But this, this was laziness. This was like, literally like, we don't know how to end this piece of shit. Let's just, <laughs> let's get out of here. Roll credits. Um, the performances were just, I mean, uninspired. Um, I give credit maybe to Brooklyn Prince. Um, you know, she seems talented, just being her age and everything like that. Um, you know, she, it felt like you know, she was the only one who brought her A-game, though. Um, Finn Wolfhart, like, I don't know. I mean, this was, like, the worst performance I've ever seen of his. Um, I, I want to blame it on the script and everything. He was trying to kind of portray this, like, creepy, you know, awkward teenager. It just wasn't effective at all. Um, and Mackenzie Davis, like was just truly dull. And we're following her character through this entire movie. Everything's through her point of view. Mm -hmm. But sh the character and like the performance, it just, I mean, it was like watching paint dry. You know, and I, I once again, I don't want to blame the actress. I want to blame it on the script. I want to blame it on editing. But like I could really like within like 40 minutes of the film, I like I, like, I don't care about this character. You know, and that's a problem when there's such a small cast, you know, and you don't care about the main fucking character. Mm. I mean, that's just, once again, a nightmare scenario. <laughs> um, there is no suspense in this movie. It relies solely on jump scares, and there are very few of them. And then, then when they execute them, they just don't work. They all fall flat. So, I mean, spoilers. So, like, basically, at first, it feels to me like you're following the story of, you know, this child who witnessed her family's, you know, death, basically. Her father and mother, like, die in an accident. But then you find out, like, oh, okay, something happened, you know, with her, you know, previous governess. You know, and I felt at first like, oh, that's going to be like the side story or something like that. Like that's something to do with like the spirits that, you know, killed also her mother and father. You know, I was like, that's just like part of it, you know. But then it, it becomes clear like right away that no, this whole movie is about, you know, the other governess. And then this like this farmhand like who was on the property, I guess he was giving... um Finn Wolfhard's character like writing lessons or something like that but he was a creep and he was like kind of harassing the governess and everything and he has he's a bad influence on Finn Wolfhard's character and you know ends like leading him down a stray path and he ends up I guess killing the you know the other governess and you know they cover it up and everything but then 
he dies in an accident that it seems like the other caretaker, who's this weird, like, I don't know, maid lady, who's also overseeing, you know, the family for some reason. It feels very redundant. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, and very protective of the children. She ends up killing him also. Um, it looks like, and literally, like, all that is set up as exciting as I just, like, retold it to you. <laughs> like, that's literally how it, like, plays out uh -huh. on screen. Um, that's it. Like, that's the movie. And, like, all that, that, the whole reveal is literally, like, that. And you're like, okay. Like, it's, there's no suspense. There's no buildup. It's very, like, paint by number. Everything. But in the worst way. Like, you know, if it was, like, just, like, your average horror movie, at least it would be bearable where I wouldn't want to fucking walk out of the theater halfway through. Um, but, man... This was probably one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time um, in the theater. So, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, they, they, it took place in the 90s for some reason. And I, I'm not sure why. <laughs> you know, they, made, they decided to make this a period piece. And that makes me feel so old to call it a period piece. But I don't know why they decided to, like, set it in the 90s. For cell phone technology, I no, and that's what I kind of thought. Like at first, you know, they do this whole setup where you know you're kind of introduced to Mackenzie Davis's character in her apartment. She just accepted the job as a governess. She goes and visits her mom, who's like in a mental institute, and they make sure to show her like putting on her fucking Walkman with the foam ears and like you know blasting some fucking grunge music, and you know it's like okay, I was like they're definitely establishing you know this is the 90s so you know i'm sure it's probably like cell phone technology you know whatever but no it doesn't even play into like any part of the movie and there's this weird thread like plot thread where like uh wolfhart's character seems to be like obsessed with kurt cobain and he's wearing like their uh, like sweaters and everything and he's like kind of harassing her in this weird way but like I don't understand where they're going with it. I, I think maybe they're trying to like tie in like mental illness and everything. You know, maybe that was like their, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it didn't work. Whatever what they were trying to say or whatever message they were trying to convey with this film didn't work. Because it does open up with like Kurt Cobain's like suicide, like through like, I, I guess it was like a, a news report or something mm -hmm. like that. So I feel like that was the angle they're going. And then you have the mom in the mental institute. And then, spoilers at the end of the movie, you know, Mackenzie ends up going crazy too. So I, I think that's where they're going with it. But it just felt like they really just were huge Nirvana fans. And they wanted <laughs> to, like, you know, throw them in there. I mean... Um, the director did a bunch of videos in the 90s. I don't know. You know, it just, it didn't work, whatever it was, you know. Um, just, like I said, I mean, as a horror movie fan, these movies are a dime a dozen, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and it really gives, you know, the genre a bad name, um, especially since there's so many awesome movies out there that are going, like, straight to streaming or direct to Blu-ray. And then this kind of movie fucking gets a huge theatrical release, you know, and, you know, and unfortunately this is what audiences, you know, get, you know, exposed to and it turns them off to the fucking genre. So supposedly like Steven Spielberg was like attached to this project originally. And it was, was like a huge, like dream project for him. 
Um, but then he soon like fucking builds and rightfully so. Like I don't. It feels weird though because it feels like you know something that he could have like worked his magic mm-hmm. on, obviously. Um, but I, I guess he just wasn't. You know, I don't know if it was a schedule thing or he just saw where it was headed and was like, fuck this, I'm out. Um, but yeah, it it just, it did not work. Whatever they're trying did not work. <laughs> well, I gotta ask, was, so you, because the way you say it, it's like, it was a really long first act. Now, was that all build up or? Yes, it felt like it was like an hour worth of build up that mm-hmm. went nowhere. And then all of a sudden, you're like kind of like in the middle of a second act and you're like, okay, now things are starting to go way too fast. There's no suspension, no tension whatsoever. It's just like shit's happening just to happen. And you're not quite sure where they're trying to take you. Um, Like I said, it felt like they fired the editor halfway through and they like had to edit themselves or something like that. Cause I was like, you know, and I, I, after the movie, I was trying to think, I was like, you know, could I possibly see some way where, like, anything that I saw, like, could there have been a cohesive movie somewhere in there? Like, if I could actually see, like, this film somehow being salvageable, you know? Something that you could digest as a viewer um, without wanting to pull out your fucking hair. Um, and the answer is no. Like, just because <laughs> the performances are so weak. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, editing can you know, do miracles, but just everything that I was seeing was like, man, this is so fucking lazy. And it just felt like everyone just was kind of like going through the motions. It just, yeah. Like I said, it did not work, you know, on any level. All right. Well, is this going to be your first like low grade of the year? Yeah. I mean, well, I only reviewed one movie so far, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm going to give this movie Probably the lowest grade I've ever given. I'm going to give this movie an F+. Plus. Wow. And the only reason it's getting the plus <laughs> is because of the little girl's performance. Because I think she did her job, you know. You know, she put in a good effort, you know, and it wasn't her fault. So she's the only reason why this movie gets a plus. <laughs> plus. But I, uh, this is probably the first movie where I, because usually I'm like, you know, go see it for yourselves, you know, let your, you know, you be the judge, you know, especially with a horror movie. Because I'm like, hey, support the genre. No, fuck that. Stay away from this goddamn movie. <laughs> well, you told me not to even yes. bother seeing it. Yes, so. exactly. I saw this movie first. And Christian was willing to see this movie. I was like, Christian, don't fucking see this movie. Save yourself the money. I'll do the dirty work this week. So you definitely owe me one. Um, Yeah, no, fuck this movie. Do not see The Turning. All right. All right, Christian. So let's talk something that I surprisingly actually did enjoy this weekend. The Royal Rumble. All right. Well, before we move on, this is a word from our sponsor. This just in, the easiest way to monetize your podcast is here. Let us tell you about Podcorn. Nothing is more frustrating than working on a podcast you're passionate about and not knowing how to monetize it. Even in-app solutions from your hosts lead to aggravation and only pennies on the dollar. But thanks to Podcorn, the advertisers are brought to you. No longer do you have to spend hours DMing and emailing companies. Podcorn gives you the floor to pitch your show directly to the right advertisers that reflect your audience. And my favorite part of Podcorn is the fact that you're protected. Not only do they support you during the process, they make sure you get paid. And they're super user friendly. 
Well, I like that the Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. That's why podcasters should click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. I challenge Brock Lesnar. Oh, wow. That is huge. McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. Now I can tell you for a fact, most of the boys in the back are terrified of that man, not me. When I walked in the ring last night, I looked into his eyes, you know what I saw? I can claymore this man over the top rope. That's exactly what I did. And you know what else I know? I'm gonna beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at WrestleMania. All right, last weekend was the Royal Rumble. All right, so you you know usually the Rumble is probably one of my favorite pay per views of the year. I'm not alone in saying that. Hmm. Um, but this year was a little different just because I felt like there was such lack of build up. Like it, it just. And I kind of like the fact that, it, you know, it felt like it was unpredictable. Like, I didn't know what direction they were going. So, um, but at the same time, it felt like it wasn't, like, they're, like, as big of a focus as it has been in the past, unfortunately. It's, that's the start of WrestleMania season. It's supposed to be, like, one of the biggest shows. It's supposed to be, like, the second biggest show yes. of the year. No, absolutely. But it just, like, this year, watching the shows and everything, like, usually I could pretty much, like, guess who's like going to win the mm. rumble it's not a bad thing for the show to be unpredictable but i felt like it was more due to them not really knowing who's going to win the rumble um so it was kind of interesting it just felt different you know it didn't feel like it was rumble season mm-hmm. if you know what i mean so but after watching this pay-per-view it definitely feels like it's wrestlemania season so let's go ahead and get into it all right, um, starting off, we had the pre-show matches, which was Sheamus versus Shorty G. I think we both guessed it. Sheamus won this match. Yes. It went longer than I thought it was going to go, though. You know, full 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I really thought it was going to be pretty much a glorified squash match. Um, but it wasn't. So they actually gave Shorty G some offense, um, which I, w- I was definitely surprised by. Um, but, you know, in the end, Sheamus went over. So it is what it is. Um you know, I'm just over this whole fucking shorty G thing at this point. But I'm not going to complain about it for, you know, 20 minutes like I did last time. So let's move on. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see the pre-show, but I did okay. hear that it was a somewhat okay match. It was okay. Not as good as their previous ones. Yes, that's exactly how I felt mm-hmm. about it. It felt like they knew the boss was watching, so they toned it down. And it felt more of a WWE-style match than we've gotten previously from these two. So um, that was a little disappointing um, because I know what they're capable of. So, um, you know, and it went long. It was like 14 minutes, which it felt long for a pre-show match. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched the pre-show in a while. Maybe that's what they're doing nowadays. <laughs> but I watched for this match. Mm-hmm. So I was a little disappointed by it. It was a two-hour pre-show, so I had hope. 
yeah, you know, they they give it some time, right? I guess, I guess. <laughs> but like I said, I haven't been watching pre-shows, man. Uh-huh. So, but I knew this was going to be featured, so I wanted to check it out. Um, yeah, um, you know, and uh, Andrade ended up winning, but then we find out that he had a wellness violation. Mm, yes. Um, so he violated their policy, and now he is suspended for thirty days. So they wrote him off storyline wise on Raw. Um, they had Zelina Vega uh interfering in a rematch, and they didn't really even bother explaining why Umberto was getting a rematch since he lost cleanly in this match. Mm-hmm. But um. She interfered in a rem- in the rematch, um, you know, causing a DQ. Umberto lost his cool and ended up DDTing Andrade on the concrete outside. I actually dug that. Um, I think it gives Umberto a little bit of an edge because um, he is pretty much like kind of this like, you know, I don't bland baby face at this point. So, um, you know, maybe they can capitalize on that, you know, and, you know, something good comes out of this. Um, they're keeping the title on Andrade as far as we know mm. of right now. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that. I understand why they're doing it. Like Heyman's really high on him. So he wants to keep the title on, but I feel like it kind of like puts the show. I, I know it like it handcuffs the show because I feel like, they don't have another title featured on there, you know, besides the tag team titles and the stupid fucking 24-hour title. Like, it's, it's, it, like, that was the one title that, yeah. you know, single titles that people could really, like, go after. So for 30 days, for that show not to have any, like, single titles really featured, it feels weird to you me. You feel like they'll go the route of, like, oh, we're searching for the next number one contender. Maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I feel like they're going to want to continue the feud with Umberto now. But, I mean, maybe they go that route and maybe they just feel like the roster's strong enough to continue on and maybe, like, the storyline between Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens, you know, can carry the show, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah. All right. Well, starting off the actual pay-per-view, we had Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. Balls count anywhere match. This was so fucking long. (laughs) 21-minute match. Oh, my God. It felt like an hour. (laughs) I was so over this match. I was like, this is how you're opening up the show. And it terrified me, you know, um, you know, when uh, Reigns won and it was starting off the show, I was like, oh, are they putting this at the beginning of the show because Reigns is going to end up like, you know, you know, ending the show basically winning mm-hmm. the Royal Rumble, and that's like their cute way of bookending it because they'll do that shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know, I don't know. I, I really, I, I hope this is it for the feud, but I feel like it isn't. No, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so I just Corbin is not working for me as a top fucking heel right now, and that's what he is on SmackDown, and he just he doesn't feel like a serious threat. You know, and that's the problem. You know, he doesn't, for me, he doesn't have, like, a true, like, vicious streak. He just seems like a big goof. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, I'm just not buying into the character. He feels all. like Sunday school villain, you know, like. Yes. Yeah, like Sunday, like, matinee, like, villain. Like, exactly. you know, twirling his, like, mustache and everything. Like, it just, it doesn't fucking work at all, you know. Um, so, I, I hope they move on. Um, it definitely feels like Roman is going to end up being like you know paired with the fiend for wrestlemania and that's going to be the feud you Mm. know you know for wrestlemania season which only makes sense yes yes and they've been keeping them away from each other for Mm. a reason i guess so um but okay so moving on uh we had the women's royal rumble match 
Uh, all right, Christian, what were your thoughts on this match? You know what? Um, I was enjoying it for the most part. It didn't do anything to really like excite me mm-hmm. compared to like a normal Royal Rumble match. I felt like this was more dull mm-hmm. than the previous few years that they've had the women's one so far. Um, that being said, I actually really did enjoy the performance from um, Bianca Belair uh, during this match. I, I liked what I saw from her and her doing all the eliminations until she got you know eliminated. I did not enjoy the ending. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatsoever. I, I thought this was definitely going to be um, Shayna Baszler's night. But at this point, uh, they, they decided to go with Charlotte. Yeah. Um, the ending was definitely, you know, a disappointment. Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge Bianca Belair fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she was featured quite a lot um, in this. She had the most eliminations. Um, I'm glad that they were trying to, like, give her a push because it seemed like they didn't really give a shit about NXT um, that yeah. much, that you know, um, you know, for the Rumble. But, um, you know, especially after the strong push that they got during Survivor Series, it felt like a lot of the NXT women especially were just, like, kind of cannon fodder um, and just, you know, place, you know, holders, mm-hmm. you know, just because I mean, like, they... like, Dakota Kai gets thrown out in, like, two seconds. Yeah, they uh, didn't do anything, like, to really push any of their mm-hmm. storylines, it felt like. It was just, like, kind of, like, Bianca Belair and then, you know, Shayna Baszler, and that was it. But they did make... Baszler feel like a monster at the end. She did have something like fucking like six or seven eliminations, I want to say, um, right? Like in like a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she definitely was built up as this fucking monster. It just felt anticlimactic to have her lose. Um, so I, now the rumor going around right now, and the, these are just rumors, is that Charlotte is going to actually end up challenging Rhea Ripley which is interesting um because you know right away my biggest problem with you know her winning was like man we've already seen her fucking face Becky how many times so um I was really really disappointed I felt like and there's no way that they're gonna have her face Bailey it just doesn't make any sense but to hear like Rhea Ripley, I was like, okay, well that's that's a match that we haven't seen. I'm really, you know, and I like the fact that it is going to put some fucking spotlight on NXT um, and make that actually feel like a third brand and not like you know actually the the developmental show. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, if that's true, then okay, I think I can at least rationalize her winning just because then it makes sense why she would end up challenging her like she has that card you know where she can challenge anyone where Shayna Baszler you know she could stalk Becky at this point and like kind of play mind games and get to her like Mm -hmm. she doesn't necessarily have to have that card but I feel like at the same time that would have built up Shayna Baszler as a bigger threat you know and a bigger monster um, it didn't feel like Charlotte needed it at all no, no, and I think it was them making up on promises because I think she's been promised in the past to win the Rumble, mm-hmm. um, and you know she would, you know, end up being kind of pushed aside. I mean, she's still got her fucking WrestleMania main event out of it though, so you know it is what it is. But yeah, if know. anything, if I they, mean, there's a way that they could have probably gotten Charlotte to Rhea Ripley though. Exactly, I was thinking like. I mean, if you took away that win from Royal Rumble and she's like, oh, now I can't fight either of the women's champions, I'm going to go after an NXT talent. 
I thought that. Would but be does that make story. it feel lesser than? Like she's kind of like, okay, well, you know, I can't, you know, hang with the main roster, so now I'm going to go and you know belittle myself with NXT. Or does it give NXT more of the shine if she won the Rumble and she's choosing to face Rhea Ripley? No, I, I hear what you're saying. I get that. Yeah. I think my one of my other big problems with this match was I just didn't want Beth Phoenix in the final three. Uh, she felt like like I knew she wasn't going to win no matter what. So it's just like it's like get out of the ring so I can have Shayna Baszler versus Charlotte. They could have they could have been Bianca Belair been in the final three at least because mm-hmm. then you know it would have felt a little more believable like there's a possibility since the way they structured the match mm-hmm. um but then and then that's actually Rhea Ripley's next opponent so it would kind of like you know sell that program more so I agree with you you know I mean Beth is probably one of the more competent like performers you know and the most experienced performer so I'm sure that's part of it mm-hmm. Um, she was busted open at one point. Like her hair all of a sudden turned red. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, is that someone else's blood or is that her blood? And when the fuck did that happen? But apparently she hit the back of a turn, bu- like the post. Yeah, those uh, the electric board posts that yes. they have now. So, um, yeah, and it fucking, you know, she was bleeding all over, all over the place. And then Molly Holly was like concussed, it seemed like, halfway through. Because all her spots went to fucking hell. Like, she's a very competent worker. And, like, you know, this is the one thing. Like, they, over the weekend, they had a couple, like, you know, stoppages because of concussions. But then there's shit like this, where it's like, why didn't you pull her out of the ring? If she's mm-hmm. obviously, like, because you could obviously see she was injured. So I'm like, fucking get her out of there. It's a rumble match, too. Like, how hard would it have been to get her out? Unless they were really, like, relying on her for certain spots. But. I mean, obviously, those spots didn't work, and, you know, they survived, yeah. so, um, and I'm a huge fucking Molly Holly fan, so it is disappointing, but she definitely was out of sorts, so, um, because we saw on um, the NXT pay-per-view that Alexander Wolf got, like, concussed, and they mm-hmm. pulled him right away, they got him out there, so, I mean, I applaud that, but then, like, you had Molly Holly get fucking concussed, like, obviously, like, hurt or injured, I'm guessing it was a concussion, um, during the Rumble, and they left her in there. And then fucking Ray, during uh, Raw, seemed like he got a concussion or something fucking happened, mm-hmm. um, where, like, all of a sudden that, you know, match against MVP just went to shit. Like, he was all out of sorts. Like, I've never seen him that off before in the ring. So you could tell. And they were, like, taking a lot of time and stalling and shit. You know, and it's just, it's a fucking Raw match. It's just, like, fucking err on the side of caution and maybe that was ray you know didn't want to end the match and you know you know mvp go out you know with that kind of like stink on him for possibly injuring him but i mean shit happens at the rings so it is what it is so i just wish they were more consistent with like how they handle that shit their protocol if you will so but anyway uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's my rants for today um but so what i mean i don't know i mean overall the match was okay i feel like it was definitely the lesser of the three women's like royal rumble mm-hmm. matches that we've had so far though so um definitely it, agree you know i mean not many big surprises and you know like they didn't even announce like who was participating you know which i thought like would just be you know them doing surprises but 
it really wasn't that at all. It was just like, oh, you know, the entire women's roster. So it makes me feel like they need to sign more women at least or bring more women up to that main roster. So they're definitely weak, especially on the SmackDown side. You know, we didn't. We, I mean, Sasha Banks is injured, and that exactly. definitely took mm-hmm. away. I felt like from you know some of the Rumble's appeal. So well, speaking of SmackDown, we had the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bailey and Lacey Evans. Yes. So Lacey Evans is definitely not ready for the stage. You know, I hate to say it, but like as a character, she is. But in the ring, I mean, this was glaring to me. This this match was sloppy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of just spots that were just completely blown or off. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but I trust Bailey, you know, and I've seen you know Lacey Evans, you know, um, you know, botch a bunch of spots before. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm gonna put the blame on Lacey here. Um, I, I it seems like they're moving away from this feud, um, and I'm I'm glad you know at this point which is unfortunate because i felt Lacey was really getting over but this definitely did not help her case at all you know i mean it's just her being called up too early i feel like she's just still pretty green um let her have some mid-card feuds and you know get that experience that she needs and maybe in a year or so she'll be ready but she's definitely not ready now no there was I've, I've i've watched a lot of the slow-mo after this match as well mm-hmm. watching her make mistakes it was very Yes. Uh, very glaring, as you yes. said. <laughs> it, was, it was cringeworthy at times. So, um, and I, I, they're overusing the daughter angle too. Like you know, yeah. and I feel bad. Like anytime you involve a kid, I was like, okay, you know, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't like how the kid, like, because you, you're watching the kid like react to this. Because to her, it's real. She doesn't yeah. know any better. Well, I'm sure she's. You know, they smartened her up, but I feel like at the same time, hmm. like. You're putting this performance on the kid and it's also kind of cringeworthy and I'd rather not like have a kid be put in that spotlight because wrestling fans are assholes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. All right, well, next up we have The Fiend going up against Daniel Bryan in a strap match. The red light was gone. Yes. They turned off the fucking <laughs> red light. I was so happy. I mean, they could have probably had a piss poor match and I would have like actually enjoyed it just because there was no red light. Um... Because that was just the bane of my existence. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably the best Fiend match I've seen. Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say it's probably my favorite Fiend match. Yes. Time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's not much to go off of. That's mm-hmm. not saying a lot, but um, you know, I mean, I I'm not a huge fan of strap matches. I could do without the whole gimmick, but you know, overall, this is a well put together match. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. Daniel Bryan is a fucking genius in the ring. Hmm. I mean, he does not get enough fucking credit or praise. Um, so, I mean, this this was definitely a, like a 100% improvement from anything I've seen in the ring from the character. Because I enjoy the character overall. It's just the problem of, like, I, I'm not looking forward to his matches, the actual ring work. So that's a problem. Like, I like the character and the storylines he's involved in. I just don't want to see him wrestle right now. So this kind of, you know, lessened that. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, he can have exciting matches, you know. It can be done. Because I liked Bray Wyatt as a wrestler. Yes, you say, but you say this now, but it's just like, I'm trying to imagine how they book Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt when it's just going to be probably spear, 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 spear. Yeah. Fiend gets up, Fiend gets up, Fiend gets up. See, I think Roman can work a good match, mm-hmm. you know, but... 
it has to be booked right. So, and I have a bad feeling that that will be the WrestleMania match where it's going to be Roman spearing him a hundred times until he finally fucking pins him for the belt. Um, oh, you think Roman's going to win a Mania? Oh, yeah. I, I feel like they're going that route. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a mistake because as we saw with the men's rumble, fans aren't 100% behind Roman. You know, once they thought there was a chance of him winning the rumble, there was a fucking chorus of fucking booze. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, yeah, once they kind of see that storyline, you know, fans are going to shit all over it, especially like a mania crowd. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's a storyline that makes the most sense. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But I feel like it's going to be booked very much like the Hell in a Cell match, where it's just going to be fucking Superman punch, Superman punch, Superman punch, you know, spear, 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 you know, and then finally he gets, you know, the win. You know, it's the ultimate hero versus the ultimate villain. Yes. And I mean, that booking does work. Mm. But the problem is, is this whole, like, he's too powerful at this point. You know, they have to give him flaws. And I feel the whole gimmick of, like, not feeling pain, it's just too much. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, The Undertaker, you know, at times had that kind of gimmick. But even he would feel pain. He would get caught and get pinned. I mean, he never had a huge, like, undefeated streak, um, you know, except for WrestleMania, obviously. <laughs> but, I'm about to say, but, well. you know, match per match, you know. So, but, like, yeah, no, he never had, like, like where he was, he was in Goldberg, where he mm-hmm. went fucking, like, you know, 260-0, and 0, you know. So he would, he would lose a match here and there, um, you know. And there was times where you definitely saw him suffering, and, you know, he had to endure where Bray... You know, he went through this fucking huge battle with Daniel Bryan, and then at the end, he fucking no-sells the strap and fucking, you know, gets the win. So it's like, if that's always going to be the outcome, how invested am I going to be in the matches? You know, and how relatable is the character going to be? Is he going to be like a Superman problem, you know, to bring it back to comic books? (laughs) Where it's like, okay, well, this guy's never going to fucking lose. And then when he does lose, it's going to be so ridiculous that you're just not going to give a shit. I just I, I just don't think I'm ready to see Roman Reigns defeat The Fiend. It's going to happen, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'd rather, like, I could see, like, storyline-wise, you know, a character like Daniel Bryan coming up with a way to defeat... Well, that's the what fiend, I was saying. But... I felt like the only way that you were going to get a character like Daniel Bryan beating the Fiend is through cunning and doing something like, you know, mm-hmm. removing his mask. I feel like that's how he, like, he should finally get defeated where you throw him off by, like, like trying to grab at his mask or something like that. Like, that's his weakness storyline-wise. Oh, my God. Do you think they'll Superman punch off his mask? Oh, maybe. His mask comes <laughs> off and, like, Bray's, like, revealed. And then, like, he sees himself in the Titantron and he loses his shit. Mm. And then Roman fucking gets the win. Absolutely. I love it. Book it. <laughs> Book it. It's cheesy as all hell. But that, I mean, that's part of the character. Oh. So, um, but unfortunately, I feel like it's just going to be spear, spear, spear. Superman punch, Superman punch. And a win, you know. Two a couple drive by kicks. Yeah. To a chorus of booze. <laughs> exactly. So but okay. So let's move on. Um uh, but yeah, fun match. 
right? <laughs> I actually really did enjoy all the work they did together. I, do, I, I agree, and I like Bray as a wrestler. Mm. I just don't like the gimmick, the way it's kind of booked for him right now. It's going to so. be fun. I, I guarantee he's in the Elimination Chamber. Do you think he changes Daniel Bryan losing to him? Since he already went through the change. Every character has been changed. Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, maybe, you know, he sees... Because, I mean, even the way that they showed him leaving, mm-hmm. you know, he's constantly struggling to get back up and everything. Which, I mean, you could say, oh, the crowd's helping him, you know, power through this. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see him still turn again. I would love to see turn him... Turn back? Like heel? Yeah, turn heel once again. <laughs> like, say, your yes movement didn't actually you work. You failed me? Exactly. Yes. I would love to see that. I would, but is it too soon? Is it? I don't know, man. Especially if you're playing with that element of the fiend changing a character. They need some stronger baby faces though right now. <laughs> it, I, I'm curious to see where they go with mm. him, you know, and what they have in store for him, you know, mania wise. So, um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, next up, we had Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Um. Really fun match. I really did enjoy it. The crowd, as you said, was dead. I did uh, rewatch parts of this match. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, they were tired, huh? <laughs> yeah, it really, you know. I mean, they just watched a whole fucking mm. Rumble match and another title match. So I get it. Um, but I thought this was one of the better matches of the night. Um, I love fucking Asuka. Um, I thought they worked well together. I love the, you know, ending sequence with, you know, Becky kicking Asuka as she's about to spray the mist mm-hmm. and Asuka spraying up in the air and then getting in the face. I thought that was fantastic and well executed. Um, I love the final shot of Asuka fucking covered in the green, you know, all over her face. No selling it. Like everyone else <laughs> who gets in the face is literally like, you know, uh, on the ground, like crying and screaming in agony. But Asuka's just glaring at Becky like she's immune to the mist for some reason. Um but, she creates it, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> like what? You think she has like glands that like <laughs> somehow? But I love Asuka, and I feel like mm. this is gonna—they're not gonna be able to keep her heel long. You know, they're—they're they're just not going to be. She had a match with Charlotte, and I still have no idea if Charlotte's a fucking babyface or a heel. It feels like she's just like, you know, a heel who kind of gets cheered once in a while. Because all her promos comes off that way. But, like, they were cheering fucking Asuka over Charlotte. And mm-hmm. Charlotte just won the Royal Rumble. So I feel like they're going to end up, like, forgetting that Asuka's a heel and just go back, you know, to Asuka being a babyface, you know. Which makes sense with the Kabuki Warriors. Well, I mean, hopefully they do a tag team, like, storyline no, going yeah. into Mania. Hopefully they go that route. <laughs> and they kind of felt like they were setting that up with Charlotte and um, Asuka... But I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it just felt like lazy booking, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was fine. But, you know, I, I just want more for Asuka at this point. You know, I want a singles run. I'm fine with them losing the tag titles or maybe have a fucking feud between the two. You know, no, man. Kari they're, Sane. They're and, you going know, to forget about them. Because it's a waste of fucking Sane's talent, mm-hmm. honestly, at this point. So, like, let her fucking face Asuka. So there is... This rumor floating around that both Kyrie Sane and EO are being wooed by um, stardom, that they're willing to pay, you know, a lot more than WWE is willing to pay to bring them back to Japan, mm-hmm. and that, like, they might be actually homesick and want to go back at this point. 
So, and I, I even heard, I think it was Meltzer who was reporting that they were actually making more money in Japan just off like merch sales mm-hmm. alone. So we'll see what happens. And then maybe that's why she's not being booked that strong. I mean, right now's now. the time if, you know, New Japan and Stardom were working together going forward. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how they could elevate each other. Yeah, yeah. It seems like New Japan, though, does not want to feature stardom on their actual shows, though. I guess. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they change this, though, and they're, you know, desperate enough to bring in American audiences because their house shows right now are fucking dying. Mm-hmm. Their little American tour, I guess they're pulling in something between, like, 500 to 1,000 people. I mean, they're working smaller venues, but that's still a really small crowd for them. So, um, we'll that, have to see if they come around. That means some good seats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Way to capitalize on their fucking <laughs> though. I have no hardship. Interest, I have no interest in the like the young lions thing that they're doing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. why would I want to see that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's I mean, catching like future stars, I guess. Yes, because you know, all those guys are going to end up being fucking America's stars. not interested in that. No, of course not. But, you know, if you as a wrestling fan, a hardcore wrestling fan, you want to see, you know, the stars of tomorrow. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of cool. But yeah, no. Right. (laughs) All right. Last but not least, we have the men's Royal Rumble match. So, man, I've got to say this is probably one of my favorite Rumble matches in a long time. I was super critical of them having Lesnar be part of the match since he's the fucking champion. Um, But... It added an element that just, you know, really lended to a whole lot of, like, suspense and, like, just me, like, on the edge of my seat, like, wanting to fucking see him get eliminated, <laughs> um, you know, and Lesnar, fuck it, he was the MVP, man. I mean, he made that first, like, half of the Rumble so entertaining just watching him out there. He's so believable, you know, as this heel character mm-hmm. and this monster I don't even know if he's really healed, but like as this fucking monster, um, when he fucking ran at Elias to start off the thing, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I thought he was really pissed off because he comes he, like, it's crazy how fast he is. Uh-huh. Like he comes darting out of the ring out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, is he going to kill Elias? Did Elias do something wrong? Because he has such an aura around uh-huh. him now. And you hear all this shit about him backstage. You know, that he's just always, like, you know, just a fraction off, you know, and, like, that close to getting into some kind of fucking fight where he's chasing Elias around. It felt like Elias <laughs> was running for his fucking life. It doesn't feel like a gimmick. He doesn't feel like a character. No, it that's just, just like him. him. Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> just him. So, like, you know they're not giving him notes when he comes back through that curtain. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just letting him do his own fucking thing. Um so, like, watching, you know, the wrestlers one by one getting picked off by him and then him kind of dancing around the ring, you know, in between, holding up the belt and everything. Being an asshole yes. dancing while people's music's playing sometimes. Yes. not being intimidated at all. <laughs> like, I loved it. Like when And just, like, they booked it so well, like, when they had, like, Kofi come out and face him by himself, and then everyone realizes this is the first time Kofi has, like, faced off against him since losing the belt and everything. Like, the crowd all of a sudden, you kind of heard them rumbling, like, getting, you know, into it and getting behind Kofi, um, you know, and just celebrating the fact that he actually made it 
to like the next entry because everyone else got like you mm-hmm. know destroyed and there was like a good 30 seconds in between um you know the like celebrating that small victory of surviving fucking what was it 90 seconds yeah, in 90 between seconds, so. <laughs> and then ray coming out and realizing oh there was a feud there and everything and then fucking when Big E came out and he like rallied the troops and you know they all went in on him and you know it looks like they have him fucking down and they do the fucking Hardy Boys move and then all of a sudden fucking Lesnar <laughs> being the ridiculous freak that he is fucking flying off of fucking Big E's back and fucking hitting the move that Ray just hit better than fucking Ray did. It's just amazing. He's an amazing athlete mm-hmm. um, and truly terrifying. And there aren't many, you know, characters or wrestlers out there right now that you can really say that about. Um, so I really felt like, you know, especially that first half was booked so well. Um, and I think it did a lot for Drew to be like the person to actually like eliminate him. And I thought they did, uh, you know, having Ricochet being the person to set that up and, you know, I think we talked about it last week when we're previewing it, like how they had that moment on Raw. And I was like, it feels like it'd be something that would get paid off at Rumble. Or it's just like McMahon shitting on Ricochet. Because <laughs> he literally just kicks him in the fucking balls and then laughs and walks away. I was like, my God, that's embarrassing. They mm-hmm. have to pay that off somehow. I just didn't. I was like, there's no way Ricochet could be the one to like actually eliminate him. But, you know, it ended up working out where he sets up the elimination at least. So, and then I, it could lead to something down the line between the two. So, I mean, I thought that was really well done. I really dug that. Um, Drew eliminating him, you know, um, the way uh, Lesnar kind of sold Drew when he came into the ring, actually seeing him as a threat, I thought was great. The way Brock sold fucking Keith Lee coming Uh. to the ring, that was also phenomenal. The fact that he, like, was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like. Because, you know, Brock isn't watching NXT. No. But, so. like, he never even gave, like, when he was feuding with Braun Strowman, he never gave Braun Strowman that type of reaction. No. No. No, yeah. he wasn't intimidated by him at all, I mm-hmm. don't think. But, like, you know, having those two in the ring and Keith Lee getting that rub, even though he didn't, like, eliminate him, um, you know, it. I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. You know, it still, you know, put a shine to him where, you know, it made Keith Lee feel like a big I would have liked to have seen Keith Lee last a little longer than he was Yeah, in. but I felt like the way he went out was okay. Like, it was, like, because it was him and Strowman going at it, and then Brock kind of went behind him. Mm-hmm. So I was okay with that. It wasn't just, like, Brock just tossed him aside like he was nothing, at least. So, and just watching those two fucking guys, you know, fucking just, you know, beating the shit out of each other for a little bit was fun. And I feel like it's foreshadowing to a match down the road, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. And just the way they sat up, you know, they set up McIntyre and everything like that with him, like, leering over Lesnar and everything. I thought that was great. I really did. I mean, I, I still didn't expect McIntyre to win the thing. I thought maybe it was going to be a case of, okay, well, McIntyre was the guy who eliminated Lesnar and that will lead, you know, lead to the challenge between the two and you would still have like god forbid fucking roman Roman reigns win it um especially when he came in i think it was like number what like 25 Mm -hmm. somewhere around there you know and the crowd i think kind of thought that too because there's just the booze were like oh man (laughs) and roman hasn't booed that much since coming back you know from his illness and everything but i felt a little bad for him 
before Roman Reigns came out, mm. we finally got the return of Edge. Yes, yes, and I, my God, like, <laughs> I, 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 it gave me the feels, Christian. Like I really, got, and I wasn't prepared for it because, like, we heard the rumors. I was really expecting him to be there and everything, but like seeing him come through the fucking smoke, seeing his reaction, seeing the crowd's fucking reaction. I was like, holy shit, this is a fucking moment. And we don't get moments much anymore with the WWE. But I was mm-hmm. like, this is a big fucking moment. And then when the announcer said nine years, I was like, wait a second. It's been nine years because it feels like maybe four or five, mm-hmm. but nine, like close to a decade. I mean, that's amazing for the guy to fucking come back from fucking, what, like triple neck surgery or something. Um, for him to even have another match, let alone a Rumble match, and like actually signing a contract for three years. Holy shit, that's I a mean, hell of a comeback. Maybe Hiromu was right. It makes the next stronger, yeah. apparently. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hiromu's insane, but <laughs> I think I would probably agree. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But. I mean, what a fucking moment. And what a moment, and then they fuck it up. Yes. Kevin Dunn <laughs> botched Edge's big moment, um, you know, and they miss his first fucking spear. And I can't, I mean, they cut to like a crowd shot. I'm like, what the fuck? How do you not just hold on him getting into the ring? What was great about that moment, though, was like, it seemed like they must have realized they fucked up because that crowd shot holds mm-hmm. you know you hear like th- all the action going on in the ring and they just hold that crouch mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was like oh he, he realized and now he stopped directing he probably put his headphones down like son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> but luckily edge hit like five other stairs oh. you know within like the first couple minutes so i mean it, wwe made sure to release the first spear like another angle an alternate angle they mm-hmm. called it the next day because i mean they heard the fucking outcry of like what the fuck um it's like if anyone was gonna take the first spear it's gonna be dolph ziggler who could sell the shit exactly. out of it it was perfectly set up and they fucked it up dolph did a great job too in the ring selling edge's return because mm-hmm. he looked fucking like stunned like oh shit um, I thought that was awesome. Well, they uh, have some history. <laughs> yes, yes. But I thought I, that was awesome. That was really well done. And then the moment between Edge and Randy Orton. Um, mm. I wish there was more focus on Edge. I felt like they kind of got away from him at a, you know, after a little bit, um, where I would have liked to see him be more of the focus. But I, I guess AJ ended up getting hurt, and they had to eliminate him quickly. Mm. So I think that maybe throw like threw things off. Um, because I was like, okay, the storyline's getting too far away from Edge because this really feels like it should be his moment. I'm glad that he was, you know, th- one of the last entrants, um, you know, to be eliminated. So that was nice. Um, just one of the best angles I've seen in a very long time in the Raw ring. So um, it, it it's sad because I feel like it just makes the rest of the wrestlers feel so, like, lesser than, like, having, like, those two superstars interacting mm-hmm. and like, oh, this is what a real promo is like. <laughs> you know, this is how to convey real emotion in the ring. Um, it, you know, hopefully it has the opposite effect and it really like, you know, makes everyone up their game. Um, Cause you know that no one handed edge a script, like mm-hmm. walking out, you know, that was all coming from the heart. You know, him and Orton got together and booked that thing themselves. Orton though, I mean, 
when he is motivated, he's one of the best fucking heels in the business. I mean, bar none. I mean, everything that he did was just, I mean, it worked so well. Um, you know, he played that crowd like a fucking fiddle because they were so excited and happy to see them reunite and everything. It felt like they took the fucking bait because when they reacted to Randy fucking hitting that RKO, like literally the entire the entire audience like stood up like they've never seen wrestling before. <laughs> <laughs> or they've never seen Randy Orton yes, before. Like, like, this is what he does. They forgot who he is. Um, <laughs> and then that chair shot, like mm. people were like in tears. Like he was really crippling. Did you hear the child scream no? No, <laughs> I didn't hear like, that. I don't know if they, that was edited in or what, but it was just like, no! It's like a very loud no No, I don't scream. think it was edited, man. That, that <laughs> crowd was fucking... It reminded me of the Undertaker uh, reaction when he lost at WrestleMania mm-hmm. for the first time. When the streak ended. Just people just like... But there was a lot more screaming and yelling. You know, it was in a stunned silence. But everyone was standing. Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, you know, it just, God damn, man, that's good shit. That's good shit, Vince. <laughs> um, give me more of that. Now I'm guessing that, you know, he's, you know, working limited dates and everything like that. So this will probably be, be it for him for like a month or so until he comes back and builds up, you know, the WrestleMania match. So, but I mean, he's a huge fan of Randy. They obviously have tons of history. Um, even on his podcast, you know, he was talking about how he wish he could work with him again, everything like that. So it only makes sense that, you know, he has his big, like, you know, first singles match with Randy Orton. So, you know, give him a guy that he's comfortable with. And then you can do all the dream matches that you never thought you were going to fucking see. Like, like edge versus AJ Styles or edge versus Daniel Bryan. I mean, there's so many fucking great matches that we've never seen before that we can build up for now. Like, Edge versus fucking Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe. I mean, Jesus. I mean, the sky's the limit, really. <laughs> All right. Well, to get back towards our winner of the Royal Rumble, um, you know, actually getting to see Drew McIntyre win mm-hmm. uh, in general brought back, like, like, I remember when I was like a big fan of his being chosen and everything. Yeah, the like chosen that. one. Yeah, exactly. And then just to see him go through three MB and all hell. that bullshit. He went through hell. Exactly. <laughs> and to come back and to do this, I was like, oh, wow, this actually is a really amazing moment. Yes. You know, this is something I was like looking for, for like Kofi or something like that. It's a real you journey. Know? Exactly. You know? um, it, it, it was, it was a great moment. And, I even have I have to give it to the you know the commentators because I felt like they actually sold the moment well, um, and even the way that they opened Raw with him and everything, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was really well done. So and it, my God, he's imposing. I mean, th- there's no reason why this guy can't be a fucking superstar mm-hmm. and someone that they shouldn't rocket strap. So it's it's almost ridiculous that it's taken this long. Um, you know, I like him as the dastardly heel, but it makes sense with his journey for him to be the baby face in the situation. So, well, especially against Brock. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But you know what? I don't think he's going to win. Oh, I don't. And I, I just, the reason why is just, I find it very hard to see them booking Lesnar losing a WrestleMania main event twice in a row. And that's the only thing. I'm not saying he won't win eventually. I'm not saying storyline-wise that it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for him to win. I just, I don't trust McMahon to want to, in his mind, 
downgrade what he's done with Brock and his buildup. So that's that's my fear. So what's the go home for Mania? It will be that match. It'll be that match, you think? Yeah, unless they feel... Because I feel like they're going to realize quickly that the crowd is not going to be behind Roman and, and Bray Wyatt. Um, but... So I feel like they're going to, you know, definitely put mm. Lesnar versus Drew on last. But I could see them leaving, you know, the crowd stunned. You know, very much like what they did with Roman and Brock that one year where Brock ended up getting the win and no one expected it. Um, they, like... Brock having that, you know, aura around him. So, um, you know, and they can always, you know, in a month or two have, you know, McIntyre get that win eventually. Um, I feel like it's a mistake, but I don't trust McMahon not Mm -hmm. to book Brock strong. So in the fact that he lost already, you know, at Mania just last year, it just it no. it scares me. It scares me. I hope I'm wrong. I know that makes a lot of sense. When I because I wasn't thinking of it like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I forgot that he lost last year to Seth. I yes, in convincing fashion too, mm-hmm. and he lost to him again. You know, later on that year. So it just, you know, unless they feel like they can't resign him for some reason, I could see McMahon seeing it like hurting his investment. You know, and Lesnar is his modern day version of Andre the Giant, where he's super protected. He'll beat him, but it has to be significant, um, and it has to make sense for him. But he won't beat him too much; like he's not going to damage the character. Mm. And I, I'm scared that he'll see it that way. That you know, especially if this buildup doesn't work. Now, if this buildup is fucking gangbusters and you know, Drew is super over with the crowd and everything, then yeah, maybe they let Drew walk away with the title. But if the crowd just kind of lukewarm and going along with it, I don't know if he does it. I don't know if he pulls the trigger, unfortunately. So, um, you know, but I, I do think it would be a mistake, but like I said, I don't trust McMahon. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, he has the final say. I know Heyman's 100% behind, you know, um, Drew, but he has the final say. I mean, I could see them holding it off to, like, SummerSlam to mm-hmm. take the title off Brock. Yeah, like, revisit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. But Or some stupid Saudi show. And we have another Saudi show coming up, unfortunately. So, <laughs> But, hey, that's a week we don't have to cover wrestling. At least the WWE. Because exactly. <laughs> we got Revolution coming. That's right. That's right. I think it's the same week. Right? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I believe so. So, All right, man. Um... <sighs> So your thoughts overall? My thoughts overall is, you know, there's a lot of there was a lot of exciting matches. They were they were good. This was better than last year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I you know, there's for me, there's still kind of like a dull air for where we're going with Mania and everything. You know, nothing's making me want to hop back into watching Raw and SmackDown every week or. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not even excited to see what's going to go on with Elimination Chamber going forward into Mania. That's so. what's next, right? Yeah. Chamber? Yeah. Um, just because I feel like it's already like pre, like it pre-booked. Like I know that I feel like Roman's going to win, right? Um, so if they go the route of number one contender, which they usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, yeah. you They just need a couple more angles, I think. Um, 
the the Randy Orton Edge angle is strong though. Um, I think the Drew Lesnar angle could be definitely you know one of the stronger ones. Um, I just I, I'm curious to see what they do with Roman and Bray. I also I'm I once again I love the idea of Charlotte going after Rhea Ripley mm-hmm. and I will see how that plays out. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the another another thing too. Like I, I keep on thinking back to um, that promo that Becky and uh, Baszler shot together. Um, that was a nice piece of work. Mm-hmm. So if we can get shit like that between those two, you know, building up their Mania match, I think we're in for a treat. So I don't know. I think I'm a little higher on Mania than you at this point. So I, I <laughs> gonna, definitely see some potential. They're going to throw you off. They're going to put Charlotte versus Becky. Yeah. <laughs> she's already, but like she's dismissed it. Like Becky, like, like straight up dismissed that match already. Like saying, Hey, I beat her a million times already. I'm going to beat her again. You know, like I don't think if that's going to be the match, they don't have her talk about how she's beat her a million times. So, but I wouldn't put it past him. No. <laughs> I'm like, you can say whatever you yeah. want, David. Yeah, but I just, they, just knowing how Vince books, he wouldn't like have her mention all the mm-hmm. other times she's beat her in the last two years because that's what she was doing. So he's a he's a better promoter than that. All right. You know, he'll just pretend it didn't happen. Is what he'll do. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, if you're gonna give it a star rating, ooh, um, I would give it three point seven. I'm going to give four um, just because I felt like the women's rumble was lackluster this year. Um, and that Bailey and Lacey Evans match was a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's really the only reason I'm downgrading. I think I enjoyed most of the rest of the show. So I'm going to give it a strong four. All right, Dan. Well, that does it for the Royal Rumble and that does it for this show. That's right. Uh, before we go, go ahead and check out dramacityproductions.com. Uh, you can listen to us there and a bunch of other great podcasts. Uh, you can also find us over at bigheadmedia.com. Uh, once again, tons of great podcasts along with us. Exactly. And if you're listening to us on your favorite platform, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure it's that five-star review. That's right. That definitely helps a small independent podcast like us Keep on going. If you liked any of the news stories we talked about today, you can find them on our social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at, at Amazing Nerd Show. Yes, we are your nerd hub for all the latest news and pop culture. Uh, beyond that, if you're looking to support the show, we have merch, guys. We got t-shirts, mugs, the works, all on TeePublic. And then you can also find us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Go ahead, pick up some nerd sway. And maybe even the shirt of your favorite wrestler. All right. Hopefully next week we'll have a review for Gretel and Hansel. And hopefully we'll get some sweet trailers during Super Bowl weekend. Hopefully. Right? Or some really shitty fucking commercials. (laughs) They're way too expensive. Yes. All right. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Ramamu. 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 Ramamu.